podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the late-breaking F1 podcast. The last one before Christmas and indeed the last one of 2020. The wild and wacky year it has been. Tonight we host the most prestigious awards in all of sports. That's right, it's the ones they all want to win. Who is they in this scenario? Who knows? LB Awards. It's the LBs. They're back for 2020. My name is Ben Hocking. I've got Harry Eid and I've got a certain Clive Picklesworth who also goes by the name of Sam Sage. How Hello. Are you? I'm very well, thank you. Are you ready for the Elvis? I don't think I am. <laughs> do, we, do we want a uh, a uh, sound like a jingle or what? I should what hope we have an entry. Yes, it is like a award show. Uh, okay, that's not the right entry at all, sir. That's not Elvis. This has got that's elevator music. I don't have. I don't have a, an award ceremony one on hand. Oh no. Oh, you can't be playing that, oh. Although, to be fair, this show will be so badly put together that you may as well play. You get sacked in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got one more. All right. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Elvis! With me, your host, Clive Pickleswan! <laughs> I like how it's always climbs. He's always climbs. <laughs> <pickle plan. laughs> That's it. That's his game. It's like the pl- it's it the Picklesworth belongs to Clive. Folks, you'll get to go, Clive's. I I don't really want to know anything about Clive's Pickleworth, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that could be that could be wrong. Anyway, we have got how many awards have we got lined up? We've got ten awards lined up to give out to Formula One drivers and perhaps other people in the. Formula One community as well, uh, races. We've got plenty to go through. So we will start with our first award, which is Race of the Season. Harry, who do you, th- what, sorry, what do you think might have a chance of winning this? I mean, there's a lot of contenders for this one. Um, I, do, am I nominating or do, am I just saying the one I would pick? What would yeah, what's the one you'd pick? All right. I, I'm going to go, like I said, there's a lot to go for here. Um, but I'm going to go for the first race of the season in Austria. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was it the it was a crazy race. We've had perhaps even crazier ones since then. But I think that the craziness combined with the just sheer joy that we had F1 back on our back on our screens after the darkness of lockdown um, just combined to make it a completely magical weekend of F1, despite the fact there was no one there watching. But um, yeah, I'm going to go for that one. But there, there are a lot of contenders out there. Have you got a, another race that you would put forward as a nomination, Clive? Uh, yes, I do. Thank you very much, sir. I think we're going to go all the way over to Italy. We're going to fly out on Monza. I'm not going to do that voice for the rest of the thing, by the way. It's, it just gets a bit tiring. Um, Monza is it, though. Monza has everything you want. It has bizarre rule changes going on. It has people not understanding those rule changes. It has penalties being applied. It has the top lot having terrible race starts, a.k.a. Bottas. It had crashes where 
everyone walked out completely fine. But they was like, let's let's be honest, we all enjoy a proper good crash if everyone walks out totally fine. It's all like, well, hey, all right. And Charlotte Claire did that, and it brought up some quality action with the red flag issue. And then we got a three-way podium that no one expected. Gasly fighting off science. And the emotion of Gasly winning in Monza with an Italian team was spectacular. It was wonderful to watch. And I think, you know, obviously after the old uh, Antony Bear incident as well, it was generally quite wonderful. Uh, so for me, in terms of emotion, of action throughout a race, of, you know, attention all the way to the end, it was really something to behold. And Harry rightly said, there are so many races you could choose for race of the season. So many brilliant moments throughout the season. But that, for me, was kind of the overall one. Yeah, I think it's fair enough. I mean, Monza was a lot of fun. Um, I would definitely put that. I would definitely put that up there. Obviously, the the Sakia race that we saw was crazy as well. I would say in both of those instances, they they weren't heading towards being barnstormers and then uh, became them later on in the Grand Prix. Not to say that they were poor races, of course. They were definitely amongst the best we've seen in the last few years, but uh, they're not going to get my nomination here. Um, Turkey was another belter as well. That one from start to finish was absolutely yeah. nuts. Um, Spain, that was a cracker. Love that one. Uh, Abu Dhabi, that was fun. Um, being silly now, Ben. You're just being silly. Being dumb. Yeah. I don't yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Sorry, Clive. Sorry, Clives. Um, <laughs> I am going to agree with Mr. Reed. I'm going to go with the Austrian Grand Prix. The Red Bull Ring is just brilliant. Like, it's so good. If you were to ask people like a list of the best European circuits, they'll get, they'll say Silverstone uh, and they'll say Spa and they'll say Monza and they'll go through the list and they'll probably end up getting down to six or seven before thinking of the Red Bull Ring. But the Red Bull Ring absolutely deserves to be in the discussion as one of the best. So much fun. Um, so I'm going to go with Austria. So I think by two to one then, race of the season, the first LB goes to the Austrian Grand Prix. So, second one, surprise of the season. Uh, I guess a bit of a vague one. It could be a surprise performance by a driver. It could just be the whole season's performances by a driver. Uh, anything here that spring to mind, Sam? Surprise of the season. This is a really, really difficult one. Um, because there have been so many bizarre moments. And I think, actually, the surprise of the season for me, which... We all should have, or especially I should, have, I should have known beforehand, is that old school F1 tracks can 100% bring it for, with these cars and the new regulations we've got and what's going on. And they should definitely be on the track. And it surprised me every single time how I said at the start of a race, this is going to be a sneeze fest. We're going to have 12 overtakes. This could be a waste of time. This is going to be so boring. It's going to be spaying all over again. Oh, no, 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 no. Those old tracks, not a single one failed to deliver. They were all absolutely brilliant. So for me, the old tracks coming back were the surprise of the season. And I mean, obviously we're not in regular discussion with the Formula One drivers, but it seemed as if their general response to those sorts of tracks was was very positive. Uh, and they would be up for returning to a lot of these circuits. Surprise of the season for you, Harry? Um, I, I agree. So on that note uh, of the old old tracks, you know, we went to Imola and overtaking was tricky, but we definitely enjoy going to Imola more than we wa- enjoyed watching the race in, in Abu Dhabi because it was just more of a spectacle watching them go around the old tracks. Anyway, um, my surprise of the season, uh, I mean, has to be watching Romain Grosjean climb out of that wreckage because it uh, still shocks me and I'm still shocked that he made it out alive. Um, 
it's a, a surprise and uh, you know a thanks to the the continued <clears throat> continued work of the of of the FIA. Um, yeah, the, nothing on the surprise or shock factor will top that fireball in Bahrain for me. I don't think. Yeah, um, I'll just quickly sign off on what Sam said with with tracks that we were returning to being a surprise of being so good and. Uh, it was so good to see them back. It's, I, I've said so many times, yes, overtaking is difficult at Imola and other circuits, but you don't necessarily need hundreds upon hundreds of overtakes in a Grand Prix for it to be an amazing race. You just need, you just need opportunity. Um, and arguably the likes of Mugello and Imola will be, will be better, even more so when we get to these new generation of cars, if they do perform as everyone is hoping they, they do. But you know, races like Abu Dhabi, which I think many would consider, along with Spain, to be one of the worst this year, it's not as if there weren't overtakes going on. Like, there were still plenty of overtakes, but they were just carbon copies of one another. They were all moves up the inside uh, after the first straight or moves up the inside after the second straight. There's no variety whatsoever. So um, I've always said that loads of overtakes don't make a good race just in the same way that a lack of overtakes doesn't make a bad race. And um, yeah, it was great to see, especially with Imola and Mugello seeing uh, the opportunity to be punished. If you run wide, Uh, we saw that particularly with Verstappen getting past Bottas, Bottas making an error, getting on the gravel from going too wide. If that happens at Kota or if that happens at Abu Dhabi, he keeps the position. So um, really good to see. Surprise of the season for me. I think we were all expecting Ferrari to not have a great year. Um, I predicted them to finish third. Uh, Sam predicted them to finish third. Harry was on the ball more than both of us. He, he thought that they were going to finish fourth, and even Harry wasn't wasn't right. He, he was even lower than that. Um, so, and you can you can watch our review of our predictions, by the way, if you if you listened to last week's podcast. But yeah, it was just Ferrari. The downfall was was crazy. It was similar to what we saw from them in in 2014, but to an even greater degree. So, uh, yeah, Ferrari's poor performance is shocking. So we're going to call a winner on that one? Who cares? None of them. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Romy G. Just yeah, I'm going to give it to Romy G. bloody lovely. So, yeah, yeah. He, Roman deserves, he deserves all the awards. Roman Grosjean, you win. Well done. We're going to move on to the Stop Talking Award. Um, I'm going to nominate Sam. Say, I'm, I'm kidding. I knew it. I knew one of you would. And to uh, do it within the first three seconds as well. I mean, it's impressive. Oh, you push my buttons. I am, of course, kidding. The Stop Talking Award can be given to any driver who you think whinges too much on team radio, to team bosses who complain too often. Really, anyone we think should just shut up occasionally. So, Harry, who have you got? Uh, I'm going to give this award, or I, I'm going to nominate this award, to uh, Ted Kravitz, who has spent the entire season being told to stop talking. Um, so I think there's only, he's the only person who could win it. He's he he never finishes a sentence because it's two sex Ted every time, every <laughs> time. Uh, and for those of you who don't watch Sky's coverage, you won't know what that means. But uh, yeah, he just he just the poor man just wants to tell us something insightful. He's always so passionate and insightful about F1. And bloody lardy ass Crofty interrupts us. Him. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't interrupted us yet. 
no, not yet. But he, he, if he could, he would. He's he working on to interrupt it. people. Um, yeah, so it's, there you go, Ted. I think it's a, a, a fitting award for you. Uh, Sam, who have you got? Well, I think Martin Brundle will want to give it to Crofty himself. The amount of time <laughs> that Crofty will speak for what feels absolutely. like nine days straight. And at the end of it, Brundle will just go, absolutely. And we'll just move on entirely ignoring everything that Crofty's just said. So I feel like if, if we got Brundle on the show, then that's who he would give it to or we would like to give it to. Uh, so in terms of commentary, I'm going to definitely give it to Crofty. The man needs to learn when certain things don't need to be said during a race. Um, in terms of drivers, if we're going to give it specifically to drivers, um, sorry, mate, this is all going to come down to that one moment where you moaned about how hard you were being raced. Oh, Alex no. Albon, mate, stop moaning about it and get on with the job. They're racing me too hard. I don't oh. care. I don't care. That is the worst moan I've ever heard over the radio from an F1 driver. Sorry, terrible. Stop talking, do your job, and do it better. Oh, the stands are not going to be happy, Sam. Me, <laughs> so mature. I'm 25. Yeah, literally. Know it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give the stop talking award to Helmut Marco because oh, yeah. uh, I mean I could give it to him for the coronavirus camp comment alone, which I mean at the time was a bit eye raising. I think given what we've all experienced this year, uh, it just becomes more ridiculous by the day, but. Just generally, Helmet, shut up sometimes. Shut up all the time. I'd rather we just didn't have to say anything around the Formula One paddock, to be honest. Who are we giving this one to? I think Crofty's got to do it, to be honest. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Crofty off the track, Albert on the track. What if we locked Crofty and Helmet in a room together? I think the world would implode. They would just talk over each other forever. <laughs> well, all right. Let, let's give it to to Crofty and Helmut Marco. They can share the award on this occasion. Don't let them get a speech in, though. Don't let them do that. Don't worry. We're, we're nowhere near high profile enough to have guests uh, on this show. But um, we'll go to the fourth award, and that is Bromance of the Year. Sam, who have you got? Now, I think there's a lot of obvious answers. I think a lot of people are going to pick Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. And I understand why. That was lovely. It really was. It was great to see two teammates get along so well. Of course, because they're not fighting for a championship. It's totally fine, really, isn't it? You don't expect... Um, when, you, when you're fighting for a championship, you expect a bit of animosity, a bit of difficulty. But they, they're great. They're brilliant together. I'm going to give this, on the other hand, to Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. Um, because that warms my heart. They are so nice to each other. They care so much about each other. They are the first person to walk over and congratulate, to help, to pick one another up. They are absolutely brilliant. And I would love to see them in the same team. I've seen it for the last couple of years now that it's growing and growing and growing. And I'd happily just love to see them down a coffee shop, having a little cafe, you know, just being like, all right, Seb, what did you get? Oh, latte. Lewis, what about you? Vegan latte. Ah, just adorable, isn't it? So for me, it's those two. They're brilliant. (laughs) What are you going for? Harry? Uh, I'm also going for Lewis Hamilton, but I'm not going for him and Sebastian Vettel, although I agree they that friendship, if you consider where they were in Baku 2017, that friendship has blossomed magnificently. Um, but no, I'm going for Lewis Hamilton and his tyres. Oh. oh no! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is oh, no. Harry's Hamilton <laughs> hatred coming out again. No, no, no. So much. This is this was a good thing. No, Lewis Hamilton. I know we make fun of the Bono thing, but Lewis Hamilton and his tyres. What that man can do 
to, to his tyres during a race. I know he says they're gone. That's inappropriate. But 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 they <laughs> but what you know how he how he looks after them. There's no one else in the grid that can do that. So Lewis Hamilton and his tyres, they, they it's an up and down relationship. You know he he moans at, at them. They you know they don't do anything back, and then they're like, but we're fine. And then he sets back his lap and wins the race. So uh, I've got a montage in my mind of Lewis with a tire under his arm, you know, like on like a beach, uh, watching a film together, going yeah. for dinner with his with his Pirelli. That's what I can imagine now. Yeah, I do you mean, think because it, sorry, I was going to say, do you think because of the amount of tires that he has to pick up from getting pole position that he's just yeah, actually exactly. really sick of them? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what he means every time he says Bono tires are gone. He's just like he's daydreaming about all the tires he's got to pole position and he thinks someone's nicked them. Bono <laughs> Bono Bono Yeah, so that wasn't a that wasn't a I hate those Hamilton speech. That was me, you know, complimenting him on his excellent tire saving skills. You do hate him though. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we tease, we tease. Um I am going to agree with Sam. It's gotta be. It's gotta be Hamilton and Vettel. Like they're just the cutest. They are. They are the cutest. Oh Ben, you saying cutest is weird. It is weird. No, it's not weird because it's Hamilton and Vettel. (laughs) If it was someone else, it would be weird. But because it's Hamilton and Vettel, it is absolutely understandable. They're just lovely, aren't they? They are just lovely. I'd love to go back to like. 2018 Azerbaijan Ben and tell him that this was going to be the case after what happened between Vettel and Hamilton on that day. Um, it's just really lovely, isn't it? Yeah, agree. That wins it for me. Sorry, yeah. but on those tyres. No, I, I am happy to lose to, to Hamilton and, 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 and Seb. They, they, oh, everyone yeah. else loses to him anyway. <laughs> exactly. Also, um, just to go through a, a bit of a personal favourite moment of the two of them is when they were discussing reverse grids in the press conference and um, Hamilton gave something of a uh, bit of a nonchalant answer towards whether reverse grids should come in or not. And then Vettel was very blunt and used an expletive and Hamilton found it absolutely hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) He's like his older brother. Yeah, he is. He's like, oh, (laughs) Ted (laughs) <laughs> it really was. So, well, yeah, we'll give uh, we'll give Vettel and Hamilton the award for bromance of the year. Now, this next one is going to be hotly contested. I this could go any way. This is the Nicholas Latifi Rookie of the Year award. The contenders are Nicholas Latifi, Nick Latifi. Oh, I like him. And Nicky Latifi. <laughs> Who have you got, Harry? I'm going to go for Nika Hockenberg. He's <laughs> <laughs> not a rookie! I mean, can we not throw in Fittipaldi and, and Aitken? Do they count? I mean, no. if, if you're going to vote for either of those two, that is the biggest Canadian kick in the face I've ever <laughs> seen. That apologise to you for it, though. A Canadian, no, yeah, a Canadian kick in the face would be really gentle, wouldn't it? They'd be really polite about it. Sorry! Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to have to go for... What's the second one? Nick Letty Efi. Him. I'll go for him. <laughs> I, I don't even know what I said, but yeah, sure. Latifi. Um, Sam, <laughs> are you gonna go for Latifi? I'm gonna go for Jack Aitken. And oh, uh, I'm a day off. For the, the simple reason that he by being bad and crashing the car in such an amateurish manner, 
um, caused such a dramatic end. And we had a brilliant moment where Sergio Perez won a race. So for me, rookie of the season for that performance. Thanks. Thanks, Jack. You don't need to bother coming back. I, I'm going to give this to Nicholas Latifi. Um, now, oh, we make okay. a joke because he didn't have any competition really for this award. Um, whereas if you compare it to when we did Rookie of the Year last year, of course, you had Norris, you had Russell, you had Albin all competing with one another for it. So um, it's, yeah, of course, Latifi is Rookie of the Year. But I think there is a, an actual serious point in here that without having any rookies to go up against, Quite, it's been a difficult year for Latifi in terms of the circumstance that was laid out in front of him. To be the only rookie on the grid in what has already been a crazy year, kind of been easy for him. So fair play. Unsurprisingly, the Nicholas Latifi Rookie Award goes to Nicholas Latifi. Well done, sir. Congrats, Nick. Well done, Nick. Yuki Sonoda versus Mick Schumacher versus Mazepin next year, though. No, it's only two of them that are bothering with that. Why do you hate Mick Schumacher, Sam? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's not go there. Yeah, not today. Um, The late-breaking overtake of the year. Of course, we're going to include this. Um, Are there any that spring to mind for you, Sam? Um, There are a few. One of them being um, Kimi Reichling's absolute sick filth switchback. Of course, is quite memorable, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to go for the old geezer. I'm actually going to go for that moment where George Russell ended Valtteri Bottas' his entire career around the outside of the secure outer loop. Um, the, the guts, the ability, m- maintaining the track position on the bounce um, on that bumpy track. George Russell proved what he was willing to give, and in that one swift moment, I think Valtteri Bottas is accreditation with the uh, the Formula 1 audience dropped like a stone at that point. And George Russell made his point. He's like, look at me. I've been here for one weekend and I'm better. I'm good to go. And that says a lot more than just overtaking on the track. So I think, for me, that is the overtake of the year. Harry? Um, I'm, I am going to go for the Kimi Raikkonen sick filth switch back on Carlos Sainz in Portimao. But I think it is mainly because uh, we were together watching it and I laugh every time I watch it on our on our on our video, our reaction video, just for Ben's dance he does. Uh, <laughs> that overtake holds a special place in my mind now. So <laughs> that has to be my favourite one of the year. In fairness, that was immense. Uh, I'm I'm really torn between those two. I think either could get it. I I'll go with the Russell move on Bottas, just because not only was it an epic epic move it did feel somewhat symbolic so uh i think that might be something that is is looked upon fondly for years and years to come as the moment that that george russell um announced himself on that sort of uh on that stage obviously what he's been doing at williams not to discredit any of that at all he's done a great job but given a car that is worthy of his talent he was able to do that on his first race so i'm going to go with that one which I think majority rules is going to be Russell uh, Russell who wins the award for his move on Bottas. It's nice he won something this year. Yeah, he had to win something. I'm sure he's delighted that what he's won this year is an LB <laughs> and not <laughs> a Merck seat for 21. <laughs> or a race win. I think it's better than a race win, to be honest. Absolutely. Now we go to the best 
AWS graphic. Now, there are so many wonderful ones to choose between. Um, so this is understandably going to be a really tricky award to decide. What's your favorite AWS graphic, Harry? Uh, my favorite one is the one that is start popping up in FP3, which or in in the practice sessions towards the end, which like predicts the qualifying positions, but then has lots of asterisks saying like this is an anomaly and it's the most useless pile of garbage <laughs> I've ever looked at in my life. <laughs> what You've do seen we need me? That? Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't care. I don't want that. I don't need that in my life. I've watched free practice, and I'm excited to see what can happen to qualifying. I don't need you, you Amazon, telling me whether George Russell being in 11th in practice is an anomaly. I'd like to be excited to think, well, maybe George Russell's got the pace to be 11th, you stupid computer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a completely valid point, but you just sound so old making it. <laughs> stupid computer. You stupid computer! You jiggery-pokery. Magic. Pure magic. Um, Sam, what have you got? Well, I I agree with everything Harry said, but for some variety, I'm going to mix it up. I think um, the one I've loved the most, and by loved, I then absolutely screamed at the television when it came on, is the ranking of um, medium-speed corners that like to pop up for a few times, which, again, irrelevant. I think at one point Grosjean was third, but he was 19th in the race. It shows no consistency, no relevance to anything. The cars are all different. It doesn't mean anything at all. And also, what constitutes a mid-speed corner? It doesn't tell you that either. It's a waste of time. They all are. The only one that's good, the only one that's good, is it tells you the gap between a car that's pitted and a car that hasn't pitted, and if they're going to jump in time based on the average pit stop time. That is the only one that I think is actually useful. Um, The the target strike lap, three laps, overtake difficulty, easy. Or Lewis Hamilton's tyres have only got 10% wear left. (laughs) Well, they don't, because he's been on them for another 30 laps. It's crap. (laughs) Can we get a Bongo AWS graphic, please? Chance of Bongo over the radio, 94%. Honestly, they're all crap. They're all rubbish. For a company that is the most rich company in the world, do better. But the medium speed corners is so useless that for me, that is the best graphic of the season. I mean, my favourite one, I'm going to offer up a different one here, is the tyre wear graphic. Because yes, I mean, terrible. Sometimes it gets it right, but when it gets it wrong, it's so satisfying. Because uh, and the best moment was for me in the Sakir Grand Prix when they show George Russell's tyres as massively struggling. And within, I think, maybe 30 seconds, George Russell goes over the team radio to say the tyres are fine. And <laughs> David Croft and Martin Brundle are having to do their best not to just laugh and basically just say, ha, that got it completely wrong, didn't it? Stupid morons from Amazon. <laughs> oh, honestly. Um, do you think with AWS and where they're at, do you think we should put together a rival rival package of sort? You know what, folks? If you think that late breaking could do a better AWS graphics, let us know and we will bring it to the people. And you know what? Even if you don't want it, we're going to bring it to the people. It's going to happen now. We're going to be doing an AWS parody video. Stay tuned. And it's going to be amazing. LB Insights, you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> So, I mean, should we just give AWS the award for 
for best AWS graphic because it makes no sense, which is kind of perfect for AWS. I think there's a 93% chance they'll receive the award and they'll probably receive it within the next three laps. And that's who wins the award. We've got a few more to go through. We've got three more. Team boss of the year. And much like we did this award last year as well, and much like last year, we're not saying who is the best team boss of the year to sort of stipulate success, but just who generally is the best. Who Who is your favourite team boss of the year? Um, Harry, who have you got? Uh, I'm going to go for Andreas Seidel. I, I like him a lot, and I like you know what he's done with, with, with McLaren. I think he's done an absolutely solid job. I know Zach Brown's been heavily involved too, obviously, but um, yeah, he's, he's the right person to be in charge of a McLaren this year. Um, I mean, obviously, big shout-out to Toto Wolff for just being Toto Wolff. Uh, and Mercedes winning everything, but um, yep, big fan, big fan of Andres. He's he's up there as one of my fave team bosses. I think. Who are you going for, Sam? There's a lot of contenders this year. I think uh, Toto is King Toto as always. The guy is just a legend, regardless of what happens. He says it how it is in interviews. He's got a great sense of humor. The guy is an all-round genius, you know, with the success that they've had. So he's always a contender. It's not going to wing it for me, but he's always a contender. Uh, Seidel's done a fantastic job as well. Um, Otmar Schaffnauer with the hardest name to say <laughs> in Formula One, but also his his reaction of head and hands <laughs> one week of absolute sadness, you know, and then the elation, um, and also the ridiculous like rolling of eyes when Croft decides to ask ask him any questions during a race weekend. But I am going to give it to the the goat French toast. <laughs> France toast. 100% is the team boss of the year. The guy creates the best environment needed at a club. He's got the best name in Formula One, a.k.a. French Toast. And um, AlphaTauri are thriving under him. So big up the French Toast. I am going to go with Gunter Steiner because he's Gunter Steiner. That's my reasoning. <laughs> I loved his interview uh, with the medical staff that helped Grosjean, but before they'd actually set it up as an interview, well, they were just having a chit chat. And I'm not going to say the swear word, but he was like, the way you ran into that was just amazing. You know, I was like, he was just so shocked to what had happened with his medical staff. And he's brilliant. He's brilliant. I love him. Oh. Uh, just whenever he, yeah, whenever he has an interview or you see him, it's just, you kind of just sit up like expecting something crazy to happen. So um, who are we going to give this one to? Um, I think Claire Williams gets it. Oh, actually, yeah. Yeah, we've got to give it to Claire Williams. Yeah. Claire. Yeah. Get Claire well Williams. Soon, Sir Frank. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Get well soon, Sir Frank. Get well uh, soon. But, and we'll be giving, yeah, Claire Williams the award for Team Boss. So we just have two more left to do. Moments of the season, Harry. No, pff, this is tricky because there have been quite a lot of moments. Um, I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for Sergio Perez's win. Uh, shout out to Pierre Gasly's win. Shout out to Lewis Hamilton's win and seventh championship in Turkey. Um, shout out to George Russell being pretty mega in Bahrain as well. There have been so many, but I'm going to go for for pure feel-good factor. I'm going to give it to Sergio Perez winning that race. You know, he might not be in F1 next year. By the time this goes out, we, we probably will know whether he's got a seat, I think. Um, but 
uh, and if he if he does have a seat, congrats to us for being wrong again. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it to Sergio Perez's win because it was just no one was unhappy. I mean, it was the same for Gasly, but particularly with Perez because it's been a long time coming, and the circumstances he finds himself in, um, yeah, well deserved. So that is moment of the season for me. Sam, what's your moment of the season? This season has been an absolutely historic one. It's been one filled with... It's a season of moments, you know, with how COVID has affected things, with the fact we've had 17 races all of a sudden when we're meant to be building up to 23. Um, Gasly gets his first swing kind of almost a year after. Antoine there passes, which is amazing. Sergio Perez gets his first victory, which is just incredible. Um, but that moment... In, uh, in the Algarve, where Carlos Sainz led all of a sudden when no one else could do anything wrong, is still baffling to me. Um, you know, the red flag moments we had in Mugello, the Turkish Grand Prix all over was absolutely crazy. Um, for me, I'm, I'm going to give it to Lewis Hamilton becoming a seven-time world champion. The guy's had an absolutely on-fire season, and there's not a lot. And actually, I can't believe I haven't mentioned it. Roman Grosjean crying, crawling out of a, a fire, a flaming ball wreckage was also absolutely astonishing. But Hamilton as a moment in history, a moment in time, not a lot brings me to have a tear in my eye when it comes to Formula One. And I, I, I was a bit emotional when he won that seventh title. It was a real moment of we're watching moments be made in history. And it was great to see someone that came from a real hardship come all the way up through Formula One and become the most successful person of all time when it comes to statistics, race wings, and obviously joint with championships on Schumacher. It was a real moment. And um, it's one that I will not be forgetting anytime soon. Yeah, I think it says a lot about this season that if we were to give this award out in previous seasons, a midfield driver getting a podium might well have won it because they were that rare. Like in the last few years, they have been that rare where we've only had maybe one or two each season where that's happened. Uh, And we've had this season where I think 12 drivers finished on the podium, which is a remarkable amount considering where we've been the last few years. And there are so many contenders for this. Um, Yeah, the Grosjean moment, of course, gets a mention. Hamilton, of course, as well, he gets a mention. Pierre Gasly's win is is up for contention. I'm going to agree with Harry and go with Perez's win just because, and you know, Gasly's win was incredible. Don't get me wrong, but, and, and Gasly, considering what he went through last season with, with Red Bull, it's a great redemption story for Perez. It's just been, it's been 10 years. Like it's been 10 years of, of ups and downs. It's been, you know, the, the McLaren year looking like he might not have a seat for 2014 force India, take a chance on him. He does a great job there year after year, constantly finishing third and second and putting together great performances, has about you know, has about ten podiums overall. And then finally, just a few races before potentially his last ever Grand Prix, he ends up going on to win a race. So yeah, I've got to go for Perez's win. Deservedly so. That is a, a fantastic moment. And one that I think defines Formula One almost in kind of a you don't don't ever give up. And it feels bloody good when you get there. Okay, and now we go to the final award, the big one. The one everyone wants to win is the Ricardo Rossett Memorial Award. It's the driver of the season. Harry. I know you hate Lewis Hamilton, Harry, so I'm assuming you go to someone else. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. The the Memorial Award makes you sound like Ricardo Rossett's dead. 
No, he's just a living legend. So yeah, he's just a memorial of all time. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to shock you all here. I am actually going to give it to Lewis Hamilton. Why? The world because has changed. He, I, I can't think of when he had a bad day in 2020. I mean, the his probably least convincing performance was at the last race, and he'd just come back from having COVID, so he probably wasn't feeling great. And even then, he was still third and not far off second. And so, um, yeah, the man, uh, the man's been unstoppable this year. Um, you know, Bottas tried as hard as he could in qualifying, but Hamilton still edged him for most of the season. And then in the race, he was just just ridiculous. I mean, I made the point earlier, the, the things he can do with those ties are ridiculous, um, just to make them last and still go quicker than anyone else. Um, he, the, yeah, his... His uh, armory of skills uh, uh, have have come so far from when he was just a really quick driver when he first entered F1, um, and now he's such a complete driver. So, um, yeah, uh, a record equaling seventh world title is going to be quite possibly an eighth next year. But yeah, driver of the season's got to be got to be Mister Hamilton. Are you in agreement, Sam? For a man to win twelve of 17 races when your teammates only won one to be, this is up there with Hamilton's best season of his career. I think. I don't, sorry, what? Didn't Bottas win two? I thought Bottas only got one. Um, he had, yeah. Two. All right. Okay. Anyway, fine, fine. You got two, but still to win 10 more races than your teammate. Um, I think he's quite embarrassing for the second place man in the championship. And Bottas challenged him on the Saturday performances, but I I don't know how you can really look past Lewis Hamilton. He is being breathtakingly good. And it's scary that he is still this good at kind of this point in his career. He's getting on. You know, he's what, the now the second oldest member of the grid after Raikkonen? And the man is still putting out performances that I think some drivers can only ever dream of pulling out. So Lewis Hamilton becomes the joint holder of most world champions and um, most has now got the most race wins, by far the most pole positions, and has every other record in the book almost sewn up. Um, so, yeah, he is by far my best driver of the season. Lewis Hamilton was the best driver this year. Um, there were plenty of great drivers uh, of note. Pierre Gasly had a wonderful year. Um, Daniel Ricciardo had a brilliant year. Charles Leclerc. Um, Jesus Leclerc, as I should call him. He had great moments as well. He had a great season. Perez, Verstappen, both both right up there. But Lewis Hamilton was sensational this year. And I think it is a bit of a is a bit of a shame that when he was obviously out for a race with COVID, George Russell took over the car. And George Russell did a tremendous job when he took over the Mercedes. The one problem about it is that he has apparently reignited the it's all about the car people that had seemingly gone away for a bit but now Russell has gone in and done a great job for one Grand Prix apparently again it is all about the car um to be honest those people shouldn't be paid much attention to anyway but Hamilton was fantastic all year it's not it's not the scintillating pace which has always been evident it's been evident since the first Grand Prix he was in in 2007 he's always been quick that's that hasn't changed over the years. What has changed, though, is his ability to string together fantastic results. 
Hamilton's consistency for me is his greatest asset by far. Because not only does he go out there and deliver a great performance, he does it in about seven of every eight races, which is just extraordinary when you think about it. And we, we've banged on Bottas for not being able to to keep up with that, but it is such a difficult task to do so. So for me, Hamilton, to win that many races, like you said already, in such a short, condensed season by modern standards, yeah, brilliant work. So Ricardo Rossett is actually here to give the award. Um, oh, yeah, I can't make it. Um, oh. He was right there in the waiting room. Um, Never mind. Bloody hell. Do we all get him a working mic or something? I'm, I'm quite gutting about that. Well, we'll have to deal with Clive giving the award to Lewis Hamilton instead, the big one. Oh, fine. Clive! Well, hello, sirs. Thank you very much for having me back on. Yes, Lewis Hamilton is the winner of the LB Award. Ricardo Rossi can't be here tonight, but I am a much better replacement. In fact, Lewis Hamilton, you are the winner of Driver of the Season. Lewis Hamilton! Folks, that's been the LBs with your hosts, the three total players. The 2020 LB Awards come to an end. We're going to finish off the year. We're going to finish off 2020 with a quick game of Pump the Brakes. Harry, take it away. Pump the Brakes! (laughs) (laughs) I apologise to all headphone users. Um, So (laughs) Pump the Brakes, uh, we'll just do one each. Uh, If you haven't watched this segment before, we give a statement... Uh, and the other two have to decide whether they have a right to believe that and they should keep on going with that uh, opinion or whether they should turn back around, whether they should pump the brakes because they're being a moron. If both people agree that that person is being a moron, they get, uh, well, virtually gunked. There is a gunk sound effect that will play, essentially. Harry, take us uh, take us away on this one. What are you going to go with? Uh, Ma, uh, I, I'm going to go with. Um, I think that a season where we have, uh, it, you know, unusual races, unusual winners like the one we've had, is better than a season where we have a close fought championship. I.e., this season was a better season than 2016, for example. I'm in agreement. Um, I I think you need both for it to be a a brilliant season. That's why I don't think 2020 has been brilliant, but I would say it has been very good, and I would say it is preferable to a uh, a quote unquote poor poor championship races, but a, an entertaining championship. You know what? I think I actually agree. I'd rather have more exciting races race to race with unpredictable moments rather than... But then again, if you told me that Red Bull and Mercedes would be neck and neck the entire season and it would come down to the last race where both teams could win the constructors and both teams could furiously get a driver on the top again, I would. I think I would take that. But again, like Ben said, you need both. So I'm not going to tell you about the brakes, but I think it's very, very close. Thanks, guys. Good so- one. Harry avoids uh, any gunking. Sam, what have you got? I think that, almost going off what I just said, I think that Red Bull and Mercedes will be so close next season, uh, Bottas will slump that um, I think Mercedes will have to swap out 
Bottas for George Russell through the midpoint of the season. I just don't think that... Uh, I don't think Bottas has got the capability anymore to take it um, in that top spot. So you think that, just, just to clarify, Red Bull are going to be snapping at the heels of Mercedes and it's going to force Mercedes into a change? Yes. Okay, let me just uh, grab some water a second. Uh, <laughs> bear with me. Just bear with me two seconds. There we go. Oh, that's better. That's better. That's better. <laughs> Calm the brakes! <laughs> I, I, not even about the Bottas thing either. Just a case of I've I've believed that a team such as Red Bull or Ferrari are going to get close to Mercedes too many times. I've read the story time and time over again. It never <laughs> happens. I've been too hopeful, aren't I? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Uh, it, the last race gives us all hope in terms of, for that, but I don't believe it either. So does that mean I get to meet Dave Banks and Phillips? It does. It does. Hi, Dave. Yes! Gunge me, Dave! Gunge me! <laughs> oh, don't say that again. <laughs> oh, it's cold. Enough. Right. <laughs> I'll round it off with my one then. I I don't know. I think I might get gunged for this, but we'll see. I think a lineup of Daniel Ricciardo... And Nico Hulkenberg at Renault in 2020 would have got them third place in the Constructors' Championship. I completely agree with you. Nico Hulkenberg is one of the most underrated midfield drivers in a long time. I think he's comparable to Quick Nick in that regard. And I think that Rick- uh, Hulkenberg would not have done all the glamorous stuff. I don't think he could land himself on the podium like Ricardo did. Or like Ocon managed to do, actually. But I do think... The man would have produced so many consistent results in a team that he's familiar with that they would have had those extra few points they needed. Yeah, I think I think Hulkenberg would have made a difference in the other part of the season where Ocon wasn't quite quite on it. So, um, considering how tight it was for that third place, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I, I, as much as I want to gun you, Ben, I can't. No, that's that's fair enough. It'd be very interesting as well to hear. Uh, at home, what you think of those suggestions? Did Sam get gunged uh, un- unfairly, or should m- should myself and Harry have been gunged for what we said? But uh, for now, we'll we'll leave pump the brakes there. Oh, good. Well, twenty twenty, guys, that's it. Thank God this year's over. Get it out of my life. <laughs> well, the good news is. Even though we're going to be away for one week, we will be returning. Uh, I haven't got the the calendar out in front of me, but the first week of January, uh, I think we'll be we'll be back and, and raring to go for some off season content. So you'll only have to do without us for for one week. Yeah, we've got some crazy, crazy stuff lined up. To be fair, we've got a few new ideas coming through, and of course, we'll be back for the whole new season, talking about much more rubbish. So if you've enjoyed the rubbish, subscribe to the podcast, download it, share it, get involved. It'll be great to kind of see the numbers grow. We're building a wonderful community and you guys currently supporting are bloody lovely. So thank you for making 2020 a really, really grand year from the LB boys. Appreciate it. Yeah, we definitely really appreciate all of the support we've had this year. Um, It's been great to see so many regular listeners of the podcast and we're always interested as well for some feedback, you know, Give us a review, but more importantly, tell us what you like and what you don't like about the podcast. And we're always uh, willing to listen and willing to improve. We want to give the best product possible for all you guys out there. So uh, thank you very much for the support all year. Um, Until the next episode, which should be in two weeks' time, 
some if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Please don't forget about us for two weeks, okay? I really <laughs> need you and your attention. Otherwise, I turn into a mouldy crisp in the corner of the room after a house party. So please come back in two weeks' time. Otherwise, I might not be Samuel Sage anymore. But for now, I am Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Harry Eats. And remember, keep breaking late. Podcast Network.